Hello there, I'm Beth Kempton and this is the Freedom Seeker Chronicles. I created this podcast as a place to explore some of life's big questions and the smaller details that lead us towards happier, more fulfilled lives. I love nothing more than a thought-provoking conversation with a fascinating person who's living in accordance with what matters most to them. And I'm delighted to share those conversations with you. As for me, I'm the founder of Do What You Love, which helps people find what lights them up and pursue that in work, business and life. You can find out more at dowhatyoulovefullife.com. I'm also author of two books. Freedom Seeker is a book about making the most of life and flying free, and that's out now. And then Wabi Sabi, Japanese wisdom for a perfectly imperfect life. That's available for pre-order from our friends at Amazon and all good independent bookshops. I wrote both of them for you. And so, are you ready? Let's dive in. Today's guest, Pete Mosley, is the author of The Art of Shouting Quietly, a guide to self-promotion for introverts and other quiet souls. This book is, like Pete, quietly changing lives. Pete is the business editor for Craft and Design magazine, and he writes and blogs extensively about the business of creativity, drawing on 30 years' experience. I talk to Pete about confidence, creativity, and being yourself. Hi, Pete. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. Really good to talk to you today. I want to dive straight in and ask, how does a former rock star end up writing a book called The Art of Shouting Quietly? (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, in truth, I I was an aspiring rock star, but never (laughs) quite uh, made it in in kind of uh, hugely popular terms. But I I was in a rock band and it was a brilliant, brilliant time during my life. I was at college. I was quite young. Um, And of course, uh, it wasn't confidence at that point in my life. It was the arrogance of youth that carried (laughs) me along. Um, But I've always been an an introvert and and always found kind of sticking my head above the parapet quite difficult to do. Um, In my career working with other creative people, which has been about three decades long now, I just kept coming up against this notion that people were brilliant at what they did but just not so good at promoting themselves or they were a bit shy of sticking their necks out. Um, maybe a bit mistrustful of marketing itself, you know, or finding it a little bit distasteful or, or just not wanting to boast or brag about themselves. And, you know, I would say, you know, 70, 80 percent of the people I work with have that uh, kind of introvert or quiet or shyness uh, trait around them. And so you set about to help them share their work and their ideas with the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It's so important. We have so many people in our community who come up against that all the time. You know, they they love the creative process. They love making the things, but they do not like getting it out in the world. And I always say to them, you can't serve people with what you're creating unless they know that you exist, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. So how? So for, what did you learn in the process of writing that book about yourself and about, you know, what you've been teaching? And, and did you talk to people, other people as you were going through it? Or was it more a culmination of your career? Well, I think in truth, I get to talk to so many really, really interesting people. It's a real privilege doing what I do because I meet some fantastic people, really creative people. People are really on the planet to make positive change uh, or folk that just have fabulous skills to share. 
Uh, and during those conversations, you pick up from them a really strong sense of, of the things that work for them, the things that work for people that are successful in their own terms, and the things that really don't work or that folk are stumble over continually. And I guess what I've done is I've just taken those conversations over time and distilled the, the wisdom from them down into the book, and that's where the book came from. But I also have to say, it, it's hugely autobiographical as well. I mean, I do talk about things that I've stumbled over in my lifetime as well. Well, I'm going to come to some of those lessons later on because I know they'll be hugely valuable to many of our listeners and, you know, and to me. I always love to um, hear this kind of advice. But first of all, I'd love to know, you'd written that book and then you, as an introvert, have to get it out in the world. You have to practice what you've been talking about in your book. What kind of challenges did you come across as you were trying to shout about your book? Um, well, I, I, the, the Art of Shouting Quietly is the second book that I wrote. The first one was called Make Your Creativity Pay, and I did that in collaboration with Craft and Design magazine because I write for them on a regular basis. So I was incredibly lucky to have a little bit of a readership established already. But then when I wrote The Art of Shouting Quietly, I began to raise money to publish it through a crowdfunding campaign and actually... It wasn't just the money that I wanted. I wanted the audience building uh, facility that crowdfunding gives you. And lots of people were really interested in the idea. And in fact, lots of people with very large Twitter followings or followings on other social media were quite happy because they believed in the idea to push the idea out there and the links and, and to gather me a bit of a crowd around that. So by the time The Art of Shouting Quietly was finally published, it had sold already in 15 countries around the world. And, and the audience for it has just grown since then. Um, I'm now in the process of writing the next book. I, I love it. And the idea that just because you're somebody who gets your energy from being on your own doesn't mean that you, there isn't huge value in community and being part of community. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's about the it's finding people who really love what you do. And then if they love what you do, they're going to be more than willing to take a little bit of time and a little bit of energy to share it with the folk in their networks, because it's pretty clear that the folk in their networks are going to like it or want to dip into it as well. And it's that kind of sense of collaboration that makes the world go round, as far as I'm concerned. And it's so much easier than than going out to networking meetings and never being sure of what you're going to get or whether you're going to meet the right people. Um, networking online and being incredibly targeted about it is just such a valuable tool for introverts and for quiet people because you can do it, of course, <laughs> from the comfort of your own bedroom or you know, a, d <laughs> yeah. a darkened room somewhere if you're not feeling like going out and uh, facing the public at that point. It's so true and I'm laughing, but it, it really is such an important point that there are so many channels for shouting mm. these days which don't actually have to involve you using your spoken voice whatsoever if that's something yeah. that terrifies you and yeah, you know yeah. that's a really great thing about all the op opportunities that we have today i'd like to take a step back and just help everyone to get to know you a little bit more so tell us yeah. who is pete how would your friends describe you sorry say the question again please who is pete how would your friends describe you oh gosh um <laughs> i i think I'm, I'm a relatively quiet person um, I, I do enjoy people. I love working with people. Um, I, I just struggle with lots of them all at the same time. Um, 
I, I I'm a natural pleaser. I love helping people. You know, it's it's my big strength and my big weakness as well. You know, uh, spend far too much of my time, you know, helping people and perhaps not earning as much money as I ought to <laughs> because of that. I um, I I think what I I have a a kind of capacity to take complicated ideas and distill them down into easily digestible chunks. And I love writing for that reason. You can uh, write a really good blog post and people will find it immensely helpful. Or you can do a podcast, people will find it immensely helpful. And they're not having to go out and buy the whole book. You know, they can get it in chunks and uh, digest it in the way that suits them. So I tend to do a bit of writing. I've done a little bit of podcasting myself in the past, which I've enjoyed because people like my voice. Um, the book is also an audio book, you know. So I'm a great believer in getting things out there in a number of different forms because not everybody is an avid reader. Some folk prefer video. Other folk like listening to stuff. And if you're not kind of making sure that your content is out there in a, a number of different formats, then you could be missing a vital part of your audience. It's so true. And when you are ushering people into this kind of new phase in their career or business or whatever, in, in being much more open with the world about what they're doing and what they've created, what do you think they have to leave behind in order to step into that new version of themselves or the way that they're sharing? I, I think it's about leaving behind some of those or trying to leave behind some of the inner voices we have that hold us back from doing stuff, the bit of imposter syndrome, the bit of perfectionism, uh, and especially with creative people, the voices that are saying to them, will you ever make a decent living out of that? You know, isn't that just a hobby? The kind of parental influence that's saying, why don't you get a proper job? Um, so you need to be able to step over that threshold of anxiety. And then I think you need to leave behind the notion that, that you're selling stuff and move towards the notion actually what you're looking for is to build really good quality relationships with people and to do that before you try and do anything else and to do that way before you try and sell anything to them um, because it's the relationship that's the most valuable thing over time. You, you know, you might sell one thing, but if that's all you do with that person, it's a, it's a real waste of a good relationship, isn't it? Yeah, and there's, um, there's value for you in those relationships as well, isn't it? That, I mean, the one thing with relationships is they do take a huge amount of time and energy to build. So you have to be really committed to doing it, don't you? You can't drop in and drop out. You have to, it's something that builds over time. And I think this day and age, we tend to want everything now or yesterday, don't we? Yeah. So that is, a, that is a slightly different mindset, which is so important for building a lasting creative career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, the lovely thing again about social media and using Twitter or, or even LinkedIn, places like that, is that you can become aware of people. You can dip in and out in a very gentle way by commenting on their posts or liking what they do become aware of each other to develop that growing awareness of each other and spend some time just evaluating what each other are doing before you go to the next step of, of making a contact or direct messaging them. And I think that that's an immensely valuable for quiet or introverted or shy people. It's a, it's a valuable thing for them to do because it's not like cold calling. You know, you're not asking for something straight away. You're giving the other person a chance to, to get to know you and trust you a little bit and to, to sample your own content yeah. um, before you take the next step. And I know as somebody who gets asked for things 
all the time by people, you know, to collaborate or to uh, share with my audience about something they're doing Mm. or all those things. It's so interesting how the tone of what they say, but also whether they've taken even five minutes to find out something about you and your audience (laughs) and they're not just sending a blanket email to everyone they can think of. It makes so much difference to how you receive what they're trying to, you know, when they're trying to reach out. So it's such great advice. There was one bit in your book that I really loved. It's it's really early on. um, And you say things really take off when the strength of your ideas and momentum of your Things really take off when the strength of your ideas and the momentum of your thinking overcome the astonishing gravitational pull of resistance and procrastination. <laughs> Love that. And then you go on to say, uh, however, the very best ideas also tend to encounter the strongest resistance from doubters, critics, misguided mentors and the risk averse. These things conspire to create a considerable threshold to get across. I mean, they're, they're two really big things there and I really love them. I'd love you to share a little bit about where that came from and this idea this astonishing gravitational pull of resistance and procrastination Mm. it's kind of the daily life of a creative person yeah yeah the the thing is that um as part of my i did a postgraduate certificate in business coaching as part of that training i learned an awful lot about human psychology and the psychology of resistance which is basically that we're hardwired not to take risks And it's only once you realize that you're hardwired not to take risks that you begin to go, oh, that's what's happening. That's what's stopping me. It's just my psychology stopping me. And then you can you can behave differently then because, you know, you look at yourself in a different light and think, you know, when I'm feeling held back by something or I'm feeling that I'm not brave enough to do something, it's just that mechanism in the back of my head saying, please don't take that risk or, or take it off the list for today and put it on the list for tomorrow. All of those things they all come from the same root. So when I say hardwired for resistance, that's really what I mean. And then you can begin to tell different stories to yourself about what you're actually capable of. You, you can reframe some of those problems and say, well, you know, I'm scared of public speaking, but that's what it is. It's just my thing about public speaking. It's not a real thing. I can begin to work with it. Uh, and I think a lot of people think that they have to, to banish fear. They somehow have to overcome fear in order to do things. And that's simply not true. And you can't do it. And it's much more about becoming much more aware of the physical sensations and and the kind of uncomfortable factors that go with getting in front of a crowd of people or speaking online or having a video made yourself or something like that. The the things that give people the collie wobbles, really, and say, you know what, this is just me in front of my camera, collie wobbles kicking in here. But actually, what is it? It's just a little bit of tension. It's a little bit of sweaty palms or, you know, wobbly knees or whatever the symptoms are for you. And you begin to get used to that. And then then it's okay. You know, you you know to expect those things happening and, and it helps you get over those thresholds of anxiety it's so true and i've really come to i've pushed myself a lot in those kind of areas in the last couple of years and i've come to understand that actually when my body's giving me those signals it's telling me this really matters concentrate it's not saying don't do it it's saying this matters let's do this you know and that's a big shift for me in the way that i think about it you know rather than run from the stage it's like (laughs) bring it on you know it's really interesting and i think kind of understanding how yeah. how fear kind of bubbles up in your own life it, it's yeah. a first step towards you know using it to fuel you to to move forward yeah. isn't it 
Absolutely. I think the other thing is knowing that you're not alone. I mean, we all make assumptions about how cool other people are and how successful they are and how unruffled they seem. And it's not true, you know. Um, there's a whole history of live actors on the stage in the West End who are dreadfully ill before they go on stage, you know, and, and they just get stage fright so badly and it affects them so badly. I, I, but they've got used to it. They get on stage and then they just switch into performance mode and they can do it, you know. It doesn't mean it's not unpleasant for them. It just becomes part of the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so interested because I, I know that you also run masterclasses for coaches on yeah. techniques for working with quiet people. And I, I that's just so interesting to me. What kind of things do you teach in that? Um, I think uh, I think that there are some basic misconceptions about what quiet really is. Um, the, the the Art of Shouting Quietly is featured on Susan Cain's website. You know Susan Cain, yes. who wrote the book Quiet. Fabulous book. Uh, and the... The byproduct of Susan Cain's immense success, and I respect everything she does hugely, is that the public have become polarised around introversion and whether you're an introvert or not, and they've forgotten the other 98% of the reasons why people become quiet in their lives. So the masterclasses that I do in coaching quiet people draw people's attention back and away from the introvert, not introvert. Um, continuum. It is a continuum. There are lots of stopping off points along the way as well. But also looking at, at the kind of fears and situations in people's everyday lives that can make them go quiet. And that's a huge range of things from um, suffering problems at work or being bullied or having suffered a bereavement or an, an emotional breakdown or being in debt, you know, dozens and dozens of stuff, uh, factors like that. And as a coach, your job really is to begin to sense what it is um, that, that's holding people back and get them to uh, begin to look at it more consciously. Um, and then that can give you the stepping stones of working with them as a coach. That's so, uh, that, that's so interesting because there's obviously some people who are naturally quiet, but that yeah. sounds like the person could be naturally something else but is yeah. having a quiet moment in their life yeah. for whatever reason yeah and and understanding that is yeah. is huge well it could be a, it doesn't have to be a quiet moment it can be a quiet decade mm. you know if somebody's been made redundant or if they've had a breakup or something like that it can it can push you into a very dark place and sometimes you need a bit of help to get out of that and that's when the coaching comes in. And how much of that is about confidence, do you think? Uh, that's interesting because to me, confidence, um, it, that's a continuum. And it, it's, a, it's a mercurial thing, confidence. It ebbs and flows for all of us throughout our lives. And it's, it, it, you know, we can have it one minute and the next minute it's gone or it comes back in a different form. And um, I think we all need to really think not in terms of being hugely confident or not confident at all but but look at where it is in our lives that we pop up as being confident and that can be in the strangest of places you know for me as a really quiet soul I seem to manage to be able to do public speaking okay for other people it might they might be hugely confident in in sport and recreational stuff or they might be a hugely confident baker but well, unable to parenting. swim too well <laughs> that's parenting right as well yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely 
That's so interesting. I, I know that um, my mum is a um, she's retired now, but she was a primary school teacher, and I, she would definitely describe herself as a quiet person. Um, but in front of a class of 30, 35 children, she was formidable. And I yeah. always, it was amazing to me, like, where does that come from? And it is yeah. definitely, it's in certain situations, there's, it's, sometimes it's just that we've not found the situation where we can be confident, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, one of the things that I firmly believe is that we've all got a place where we can really shine. It might take a, a, t a while to find what that is, but we've all got it. And once you've found it, then life suddenly becomes an awful lot easier. And how do you guide people to finding that if they're really stuck? I think um, I think a lot of the current thinking about purpose and finding the why in your life is really important and helping with that. But then people just get stuck in thinking about the why. I think it's about evaluating your behavior and, and actually noticing things, being mindful about how you communicate and being mindful of where you feel comfortable and where you don't feel comfortable. Uh, and, it, you know, if every time you go onto your computer and go onto social media, bells start ringing in your head or you feel awkward or anxious about it, then maybe that's not the place to start. And sometimes people like that are better running small scale workshops or doing meetups or, or just meeting other folk for a little while in a meeting room somewhere and talking face to face. It, it's the same process of, of befriending and relationship building, but just in another domain. So I think, you know, it takes a while, but uh, most of us tend to have a place uh, where we can begin to speak up for ourselves. It's funny, it kind of comes back to the, like, what does it feel like in your body? Like, is it, mm. do you do you feel like you fit in, not not fit in like with a group or anything, but in that particular place, that particular environment, does it, yeah. is it, do you even notice your body or do you not? Because the tension is often, is you mm. feel it, don't you? And it's like, mm. I always think of it like, like, like lighting in a theatre, you never notice it unless it goes wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like, it's yeah. only when you notice the tension that you realise you're not in the right mm. place, but if you're paying mm. more attention, then you can feel, you, you recognise where you do feel comfortable. And yeah. by comfortable, I don't think we mean not pushing yourself at all, but wow. just where naturally um, you are in a position where you can shine. Like you said, yeah. I think. and and I think another thing that I've noticed over the years is that we often look in a really small circle to find that place, but actually mm -hmm. it's by open, you know, picking your head up and looking yeah. out and putting yourself in different environments. Yeah. They, unless you look, you don't know whether that's where you're going to fit, right? Yeah. Um. So I think that kind of getting out there in the world is is really really important. What kind of questions yeah. do you get asked by your clients, or what kind of advice do they seek from you over and over again? Oh, I think the the number one thing is um, how do I get a bigger audience or how do I get more cust customers? You know, what is it that I need to do in order to get more customers? Uh, and I think they kind of forget that communication is a two-way process. And actually, there's already loads of people out there looking for the right kind of person. And when they find them, they'll connect. So it's understanding that it's not just to do with your own activity. Um, I got a lot of confidence-based questions about pricing stuff and, you know, how much should I charge for my services? And that's really interesting to play with because that 
uh, mindset around money comes. It's built up over years, as is your confidence. And a lot of your mindset about money comes through when you're a very young child, actually, and dealing with money or hearing people talking about money for the very first time. So those are those are common questions. Just on that, and when, just I'm interested in, in that particular question about pricing because we see it all the time in our community mm-hmm. of artists and designers and they don't really know where to start and where do you start them on the question of figuring out what to charge? Well, it, I think the truth of it, this is very difficult and I, you know, it's, it d- d- demands hours of conversation, not just a minute, but it's not up to you to, uh, as to what your, worth, your work is worth. Other people determine the worth of your work. The problem is if, if you leave it up to yourself, you'll usually underprice it terribly or go to the other end of the scale and overprice it horribly as well. Um, I really advise people to test the market, to get out in front of the sort of people that they imagine will be buying their goods or services and have a jolly good open conversation with them about what the thing is worth or the goods are worth or the service is worth. Uh, it's what big companies do. I mean, they run focus groups all the time to determine the price points of things, but small small operators tend not to do it. You know, they, they lick a finger and stick it up to the wind and or they just charge what their competitors are price, uh, are charging and that's not a good thing to do either. It's it so, is very uh, fabulously complex. Yes, and also I think connected to that first question of how do I grow my audience because that kind of begs the question, is the most important thing how big your audience is in terms of how many followers you have and that and it get, comes back to that relationship and actually personally i'd rather have a lot fewer people paying a really decent price for something that's really valuable to them you mm-hmm. know that makes a big difference in their life than to yeah. be massively undercharging and giving stuff away to so mm. many more people who i can't serve because there are just too many of them and i think yeah. it's a it's as you um, certainly in the beginning when you don't have you know help a team whatever I think really focusing on that you know providing value for the the people that you want to serve and getting to know those people and checking yeah. if it's working and all of that that conversation is yeah. really important yeah no I couldn't agree more it's not about numbers uh, any conversation about how do I grow my Facebook numbers or my Twitter numbers always fills me with a, the question why you know why do you <laughs> want to do that who's yeah who are you satisfying by doing that? Um, you want to connect with the right number of people, uh, but more important, you need to connect with the right type of person. Um, and those need to be the people that absolutely love what you do. I think it's also wise to have a range of different things in your funnel, as it were, so that people can begin to engage with you at no cost and then try out something that really doesn't cost an awful lot of money. Uh, and then the, the relationship builds to the point where they're willing to pay for a program of coaching, say, or, you know, um, one of your more expensive products. But you need to give them an entry point. So you can't just start with the high end stuff. And you need to do a really good job of what you give them. Like you need yeah. to create stuff that is valuable. Absolutely. Um, there's there's so much great stuff out there in the world today. And yeah. there's so much rubbish. And it, it yeah. drives me crazy. And it's so I think that's. always the starting point is you know creating quality things that are of value to people i'd love to know what does success mean to you personally what does it look like oh gosh um connecting with people meaningfully i think um peace and quiet i think you know um i i i like peace i like quiet i like the ability to be able to get out in the countryside 
um, having a small number of good friends, I think. Um, I'm not a social butterfly, you know. A family, um, being able to maintain all of those things is really, really important to me. Uh, if, as the spin-off from writing books and doing things like that, I get to travel, then that's a real bonus for me because I love traveling around the country and meeting people and talking to them. Um, that's both a measure of success and the doing of the work, which is lovely to have the two things coming together like that. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's a pretty good summary. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love the range of things as well. And mm -hmm. again, it's not a number. It's a, you know, it's it's experiences and the impact of those experiences on you, on you yeah. and how you're living your life. That's brilliant. It's been amazing talking to you. I'd love to just finish up with your thoughts on how the world would be different if everybody learned the art of shouting quietly. I think... My aspiration is, is for people to show an awful lot more compassion to each other and to think about other folk before they open their mouths, really, um, to make people aware of what you do, but not by selling to them, but by, by putting out there what it is that you love and what you do and what the value is in that, and then giving the other person the choice to connect. And that's the way I wish things would work more right across the board well with people like you doing the work that you're doing i'm sure there's more and more of that coming thank you so much for your time today pete it's a pleasure thanks very much for talking to me this afternoon so that's all for today you've been listening to me beth kempton in conversation with pete mosley you can find out more about pete on his website shoutingquietly.com and more about me at bethkempton.com I'll be back soon with more inspiring stories. Be sure to subscribe to the Freedom Seeker Chronicles so you don't miss a single one.